Praise the name of Jesus. So good morning. Good morning to you all that are here. Good morning to those who are listening, um, either uh, later recording or if you're live streaming. We're so glad that you joined us as well. Uh, you know, we need to pray. Obviously, we, that's kind of a, an obvious statement. But we do need to pray specifically because, you know, we're living in that time. We're living in a very specific time and we're living in, a, in, in, in an era that God described to us long ago and specifically prophesied through us um, about eight years ago. And I don't want to... We need to pray for those who were a part of this ministry before, whether they choose to come back or not. That's, you know, I I just pray that they're in God's hands. And that's what we want to do is pray that those who have not returned are at least involved in another ministry, at least involved. If they're just staying at home for fear, I hope that's not the case, but... If they're doing that, that's not healthy at all, spiritually, physically. Amen? God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I am so um, angered, taken back by, and I've described it to you folks for several weeks, and I'm still dealing with it, um, at the way that God's people are reacting to this whole thing, this pandemic, this these riots, this whole thing that we find ourselves in the middle of, we who are His people, we who are the citizens of the kingdom, should not be moved by this, and we should certainly see exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's the enemy, it's the, the prince and the power of the air doing his thing. But my brothers and sisters, we should be encouraged to the extent that God told us that this would happen. And it's happening just like He said. And we know that We have hope. We have hope. Amen? Amen. Father, I come to you this morning personally asking for forgiveness for my shortcomings as it relates to the passions and the the feelings and the anger sometimes that arises during this situation. Father, in Jesus' name, again, I've said this to you before and I've said it in front of these people and maybe those who are listening you know, I can't, sometimes can't justify it and say it's righteous indignation. Lord, thank you for the passions, but at the same time, Lord, lead, guide, and direct so that they're not misplaced. Father, I pray that prayer for, for those who are under the sound of your voice, who are feeling not just an anger, not just confusion, but Father, also fear. Father, in Jesus' name, please restore the sound mind, the power of love in the lives of those who are feeling fear, who those who may be confused. Father, you're not the author of confusion. And although I'm quoting scripture, Father, I'm not just quoting scripture because we happen to memorize it or it happens to sound good in this moment, but Lord, because it's your truth. And Lord, bottom line, We don't have anything that we can sure enough hang our hats on, so to speak. There's nothing sure enough that we can build our lives on. There's nothing sure enough that we can just live our lives by and have total confidence and hope except your word. So Lord, as we go forward this morning, I pray that you administer your word to each and every heart. Give us grace, Lord, that we may understand and receive and act upon everything that you teach us this morning. Father, most of all, restore and renew to your children what we need, hope, 
love, power, sound minds. Father, all this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I mean that sincerely, and I hope you did too, those of you who have prayed it. We've been, um, we started last week, I think will be a series, I don't know how many weeks, but we're in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. And if you'll remember, uh, we started and we got, I think, almost through the first Beatitude, but we prefaced it with some things. And I'm going to also do that today as we go back into the Beatitudes, the first part of chapter 5. I want to jump down and begin this morning. I'm going to be reading from uh, chapter 5, verse 11. Some of it will be on the board, but there's a reason. There's a method to the madness here this morning. Let's trust God, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So now, beginning in verse 11 of chapter 5. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verse 13 now. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a lamp stand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. My brothers and sisters, um, Tony, if you just leave that up there for a few minutes for me. The Beatitudes, actually, we discussed it last night, or I'm sorry, last week, The Beatitudes describe not how to be saved. The Beatitudes, remember what I really emphasized last week, Jesus was speaking this to his disciples, people who were following him. My brothers and sisters, the Beatitudes speak to not how to be saved, but what it looks like to be saved. Well, no amens or anything. What it looks like. These are the things that happen to us. This becomes part of who we are, our character, after we become born again. So now, I want to draw your attention. Let your light so shine, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, I, I, look at where this is positioned in this chapter. Look at where this is. Look at where Jesus spoke this in relation to the Beatitudes. So to me, when we're looking at the Beatitudes, we're looking at the work that's begun in us and the work that we're doing, the work that actually God the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us. That's a work. Let me say it this way, and I know many of you already know this. Certainly, those of you who are in here have heard this before. My brothers and sisters, listen, it's not, we can't earn salvation. That much is true. But the works come after salvation. That much is also true. But here's the thing. It's not the works that we have determined. It's not the works that we feel comfortable with. It's not the things that maybe someone else has sown into our life, i.e., you know, uh, the works. We're going to go ahead and I'm going to volunteer at the church. Is that a good thing? Yes, it is. The works, uh, i.e., I'm going to um, make sure that uh, I'm donating money for this cause, for that cause. Um, The works, uh, I'm going to volunteer at Restore Hope which you should do. And we thank God we have people here that represent our church and themselves and Christ Jesus, and they do that. All of those things are great. What about the, the, I got to repeat this, Jesus himself said, many will say to me in that day, uh, Lord, Lord, 
Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied? Haven't we cast out demons? Haven't we done these things in your name? Depart from me, he will say. You have worked with iniquity. I never knew you. So all of those things that we align ourselves or we align ourselves with and those things that we decide that we want to do as good works and, hey, I'm, I'm doing something to prove that I'm a Christian, to prove that I'm in Christ, to prove... My brothers and sisters, if we don't have these beatitudes active and active, it's not part of how we're living, then those things really don't mean anything. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to burst anybody's bubble. I'm just trying to speak truth and love. These things, when I study these things, after being a Christian this many years and being his minister for all of these years, when I'm studying these things, it's, it's causing me to self-examine. And I'm looking at it and I'm saying, how well am I walking this out? How much of that is a part of me? Come on. The works. We have these things described to us, for us, by us. What it looks like to be a Christian. Jesus is saying that in Ephesians 2, verse 8. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. This is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship a new creation created in Christ Jesus for good works. We were created, a new creation, we're born in Christ to do those works that He has called us to do. A new creation, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, I know I'm repeating, but it's not those things that maybe we've been predisposed to think that those are the things that He's speaking about. All of the above, the things that the Holy Spirit leads us into, some of those things I aforementioned, absolutely. The volunteering and all of that other stuff. But again, I believe that this is position. This what? That where we started, verse 13 down to verse 16, that is positioned after those Beatitudes for a reason. Amen? But look, we're saved, not of our own works, right? We're saved by grace, through faith, we don't earn it. But the grace and the faith are the engine, are the motors behind everything else. How we live. Those good works come because of that grace and faith. Yeah, you're not too excited about that. 1 John 2.6 don't, don't turn there, just listen. You can write it down. He who says he abides in him, in Jesus, ought himself also to walk just as he, Jesus, walked. Again, you've heard me say this in recent weeks, I'm going to say it again. So tired of hearing, I am not Jesus. Jesus did those things, I can't. Yes, you can. He gave you, that's what grace is all about. That's what his spirit dwelling inside of you is all about. And that's where a scripture like this comes from. Again, I'm not trying to bring condemnation on anyone, uh, not even myself. But there's a certain amount of conviction that comes over me as it should any born-again believer as we examine and as we look at these Beatitudes and as we look at all the Word of God. We read the Word of God and we're allowing that Word of God to read us. Come on. Yeah, don't get real excited. Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. You're going to see part of it on the board. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to how many men? All men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. He redeemed us from what? Lawless deeds. See, see again, we cannot... I can't. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to speak to me. I'm not going to bring, bring condemnation. I'm not going to make anybody mad at me today. Oh, yes, I will. But here's the thing. I, listen, He has redeemed us from the law of sin and death. He has redeemed us. We are no longer serving sin. He redeemed us. He took us out of that so that we no longer walk that same way. He redeemed us from that to, to the ungodly things and, and, the, and, and the, the lust of our own flesh, those things that caused us to live a life separate from Him. He's, he's taken us from those lawless deeds. We're no longer supposed to be walking in those lawless deeds. Right? Okay. All right. But look, and He has called us to purity. And He gives us in the Beatitudes and so many other places what that looks like, that, what that life of purity looks like. It doesn't mean I'm giving my money to the church. It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, I put on that, that my Sunday clothes when I go to church on Sunday or Wednesday. and then the re- No, it's who we become. It's who we are. We've been changed. We are new creations. Come on, come on. Somebody got to smile this morning. You're all looking at me like I'm... Come on, somebody needs to smile. I am brand new. I don't have to do that same stuff that I used to do. And He's called me. He's empowering me to walk into in this purity that He's providing for me. He's showed me. He's empowering me. He's giving me everything that I need to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. He's a good God. How do I know that? 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. So look, I need to work these works that God has preordained for me. Right? Before I, was, before I was even born, before He even laid the foundation for the earth, He knew I would exist and He had already planned some work for me to walk in. Starting with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Come on. Come on. Ah. So the, ver- the Beatitudes are the very basics in the works. But I want to draw your attention here then to all Scripture is given. When the Apostle Paul is, is, is writing this to a pastor, a young pastor, and he's referring to Scripture, what is he referring to? Old Testament. That's all they had. He was, they were living and they were creating the New Testament. But my brother and sister, that speaks volumes to me. Volumes. I'm not held to that law, but that is an example to me. So now, it's all of that Scripture that speaks about God's relationship with His people is just as real and relevant today as it was back then. Why? Because here it is in the New Testament telling me that all Scripture is given for my correction, for my reproof, for my doctrine... For my walk in righteousness. Right? What does that mean, Tony? We've got to go start... No. No. We look at that as example and we look at the prophecy. We look at the prophets and what they say up to now and that and, and, and all the hope. I see the ups and downs of Israel and I see... Remember last week, was it, or was it Wednesday? Was it Wednesday, Luke? We talked about Hosea. 
Yes, thank you, Luke. We, Wednesday, we're talking about Hosea, where, where God is speaking this stuff, and, and he sees how, how you know, basically, I'm going to say in tone, like, you've all committed adultery. You turned your back on me. What am I going to do? Am I going to, am I going to treat you like Sodom and Gomorrah? Am I going to destroy my own kids? No. He remembered mercy. Amen? He remembered mercy. So, so, so when I see that in the Old Testament, I am so thankful. I'm so grateful. And then I see a scripture like it says in Romans where it says that how would he who did not hold back his own son, how would he, he, he gave him up for us all. How would he withhold any good thing from us? If he was willing to give up his own son for all of us, how would he withhold anything from us? Oh, wow. So it's, it's not that, okay, that's done. It's, no, look at what God has shown me. Look at the character of God. Look at the mercy of God. Look at the justice of God. Look at the righteousness of God. Look at the holiness of God. Yes, every bit of it's true. Every bit of it's true. And that righteous, justice, whole, just, and holy God has made a way for me to have, listen, to me, for me to have, uh, to get to His throne, to, to have access to His presence in Jesus Christ. And I see what happened to the Old Testament saints who when they got in His presence, who when they heard His word, and who when, when they walked in obedience to things that happened, supernatural things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now we go back to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Matthew 5, 3. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I look at these, I look at these beatitudes, this first part of it here, and, and so I see those first three verses, three to five. And you know what? That has everything to do with my attitude or how I think about myself. Do, do you see that? Come on, pay, listen to me. Come on. You, this, I'm not, I, I may not be spitting and spewing, but this is the Word of God. I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to tell you what the, the Word of God says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, me. Blessed are those who mourn, me. Blessed are those who are meek, me. Oh, me. It's about me. My, my, my thought about myself, my attitude, right? But it, my attitude in relation to God, Right? in relation to what I see about a, a true and living God. Because, you know, I could be, um, let's just say, I could be poor in spirit and just be, oh, well, you know, low is me. I don't have nothing. You know, there's so many people that have more than me. And blah, blah, blah. And beep, beep, beep. Blah, blah, blah. That's, that's not what that means. Blessed are they who mourn. Well, you know, I, I lost a loved one and, you know, I'm mourning because, or I'm, that's not what that means. Why are you looking at me like that? Blessed are the meek. Okay? There are many people that fake humility. They're going to be in front of you. Oh, yeah, you know. And, and then... There are many people that, that fake humility. So it's not, it's not speaking to that. This is speaking to genuine articles. What does God expect? What, it's God calling these things out. How does God define those things, right? Now we started last week in Blessed are you, Blessed are you poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> so why should I believe, remember blessed. It's, not, it's defined as happy and something, but this doesn't mean I'm happy. If you're, if, you're, if you're being persecuted, are you happy? Let's be honest, are you happy? 
No, but as you look at it from a spiritual standpoint, as you look at it into relation, in relationship with God, no, what it's saying is you're fortunate, you're well off, you're in a good place. Right? Remember that? Okay, you know, blessed, you're in a well place, you're well off, you're fortunate, you're, supre- you're supremely blessed. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Remember the example we used, the prodigal son. And remember when he came back, right? I, I, you know, he was just so humbled. He was broken. Spiritually, he was broken. And he came back and he realized something about himself. Right? When he was broken, he realized something about himself. It wasn't his, listen, it wasn't, well, my father is this, my father is that, except that I've sinned against you, my father. I've sinned against you and heaven. Right? It's myself. I've messed up. I've done this. He was broken. Right? So, so listen, so remember now, that's, that's what this is talking about. You know, it's not just that he was so poor, all the money ran out, he's, he's looking to eat what the swine are eating. No, it's not that. It's poor in spirit. You know what? I stink on ice. And I, and I, I, I have the example of my father to look at. Here's how I know how bad I am. Look at my father who even treats the servants in his house very well. Right? I look at the kindness and compassion of my father. I look at my father and I say, wow, look at how poor I am spiritually. Look at how poor I am. Look at, who, look at me. And he goes and confesses. Now then, remember, we also looked at the older brother and what the older brother's attitude. The older brother's attitude is, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm serving the father. I, I deserve the things. And when he complains to the father and the father says, listen, you know, he, he says, man, you never threw a party for me. You didn't do any of this for me. You know, this, he wastes all your stuff and blah, blah, blah. And remember what the father said? The father said, you always with me. Everything that I have is yours. Did, come on. Did you hear that? You're always with me. Everything that I have is yours. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, if we would just get in the presence and appreciate the Father, heaven is ours. It's ours. He's already given it to us. But we have to listen. We have to get in the presence of the Father, understand who the Father is. We have to understand, listen, that doesn't mean that it's always going to be peaches and cream. I'm always going to have uh, all of the goodies in life because if my eyes are on this life, I'm going to miss heaven anyway. How about the Apostle Paul, right? Possibly or probably the second greatest evangelist who ever walked the face of the earth. What happened to Paul? Paul was actually serving God the best he knew how. He, had, he was zealous for God. He was so zealous for God that he was persecuting the Christian church because he looked at that as being heresy. Right? Come on. Come on, get with it. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're bringing me down this morning. Somebody's got to pay attention. Listen. He was... He was persecuting the church out of zealousness for the Lord. What happened? Jesus knocked him down. (laughs) Broke him down. Boom! On the ground. He can't, listen, he can't see anymore. Broke him down. He had to blind him physically so that he could see spiritually. Spiritually, he, he he was poor in spirit. Rich in the law. Come on. Rich in the law. 
zealous about the law. Let me listen to what he says about himself, and you are familiar with this in Philippians 3. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning righteousness which is of the law, blameless. I kept the law to the best of my ability. That's what he's saying. I have, man, I have plenty But then he goes on to say, I count all that stuff that was so valuable, it's worthless. What? For the excellency of knowing Jesus. My brothers and sisters, you see what he's saying? He was was rich in spirit. He was rich in spirit. Right? He was looked upon. he 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 had status. He had stature. He was rich in spirit. Looked upon as a high man, high-ranking official. He probably had some money. He was a Roman citizen. He came from something somewhere along the line. There wasn't just the status and the stature that he had as a Pharisee. But he he had some money as well. He had to have, his family had to have something. He was a Roman citizen. So my brothers and sisters, you you, you look at that and then he's broken. Now he's spiritually poor. Now Now he can learn something. Now he could receive the kingdom. Now he can receive the kingdom. See, and, and what's the, what, what is the, Jesus takes him out, he, he, he ministers to him, but at the same time he's ministering to a saint of God. We Remember? And so what he has to do, he, Paul, here's what you're going to do. Jesus, Jesus, he was blinded. Jesus, when he was speaking to Paul and revealing himself to him, he could have opened his eyes right there and then, couldn't he have? No, but know what he did? He said, okay, spirit, you're broken. Now you need to go to one of the saints who is filled with the Holy Ghost. Now you're going to go to one of the saints who's already worshiping me. Now you're going to go to one of the saints. Now you're going to go to one of my children. You're going to go to the minister that I've put in charge in this situation. You're going to have to humble yourself and you're going to have to have him touch you. Come on now. You see that? Spiritually broken. Boy, some of you ain't getting it, but some of you are. And the last one, Revelation 3, the church of Laodiceans. I know your works. You see that? You see that? I know your works. That you were neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. and And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You, you see that? So what they're doing, they who? The Laodiceans. They're saying, look, I got what I, you know, God is blessing me. I've got everything. I've got a good house. This family got a good job. Everything. And so you're looking at that and you don't even realize that spiritually you are poor and it's showing in your works. Come on. You see that? Now, are they going to have part in the kingdom of God? No, he's saying, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. No part of the kingdom of God. But he says, go ahead and, and you know, he, he gives him away. He says, you've got, you got to go, you got to come to me. you got to come to me. You, you, are, you, are you getting this? See, I know your works. They, they're probably given to the poor. They're probably doing those things that are easy or comfortable for them to do. Come on. But, in the, but it's all based upon their lifestyle, where they are in this life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me... See, I'm not going to say that I've got it now because I certainly don't. 
But so many times when, when things go wrong in our lives, let, let me ask you this. I don't want to... You get a bad report from the doctor. Are you blessed? Do you feel happy? But if that bad report... I'll, I'll say it this way. Uh, my own father. My father was sick. And he wasn't saying anything to anybody. But then someone noticed that his skin, his skin tone was turning a little bit yellow. So they, his congregation, they forced him to go to a doctor. Now in the process of going to that doctor... And they found out that he had a, I think it was a gallstone or something, and it was affecting his kidney. And so, in the process of that, they found out that he had a major aneurysm in the, in the, in the aortic artery. If that thing were to burst, done. So now, you go to the doctor, you have something wrong with you. That's not a blouse. You should be happy. People are saying, man, there's so, you look sick. And he's not, he was obviously not feeling well. There was obviously some, some other stuff that he wasn't sharing with anybody. Did he, was he blessed? In, in a, let's be honest. In a human sense, not looking at it spiritually, was he blessed? No. But my brothers and sisters, it took that in order for the other thing to be discovered and then that taken care of and he's still with us today. So, so you see that? So was that a blessing? Yes, it was. Why? Because it allowed the attention, it allowed God to work a work. There were people praying. There, come on, are you with me? Do you see that? So sometimes these things that happen to us that we think are terrible, man, sometimes all that they are designed to do is God saying, okay, time for you to refocus your attention on the spiritual and not the, the physical, not the flesh. It's, it's not about what you can do, how you can do it. It's not about you being blessed financially. It's not about this. It's not all about, it's about you being spiritually blessed. It's about you living your life as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Are you with me? See, this is what, sometimes we've got to get refocused. So now we'll go on to the next beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn, grieve, feel sorrow. Are you with me? Right? Grieve, feel sorrow. <clears throat> we know, I mentioned it earlier, and it's not a bad thing, so I don't want anybody to take it that way. You know, when a loved one dies, or if, even if we have a, a family member, or even if it's not family member, just a, someone we know that passes away, we mourn. And if it's a Christian, we're, you know, on the one hand mourning, but on the other hand celebrating because we know it's a homecoming. So, so that's a great thing, but on the other hand, we're sorry for the people that have to live without the, you know, with the absence of that person and so on and so forth. They're going to miss them, and there's cer- certain passions and feelings involved. And we know that, and we feel compassion, so we mourn with those uh, that are around us. So we understand that kind of mourning. But this is not basic, this is not speaking to that. In, in 2 Corinthians 7.10, we get a peek. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. See, I, I, I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters, the first part, blessed, listen, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. There's, there's a reason why I think that one was first. We've got to realize, my brothers and sisters, that we are in need spiritually. And we have to, again, we have to get started by looking at God and then looking at ourselves compared to the spiritual aspect or, or God. So then you come to this one. How, I can't legitimately um, have that godly sorrow without being spiritually poor. See, I'm spiritually poor. Now I, now I understand. Now I have this godly sorrow. Okay, I'm looking at 
well, why godly sorrow? And, and I'm, well, I'm, I have godly sorrow because now all of a sudden I'm, sp- I'm spiritually, I realize where I am and I realize who he is and, and where he is and, and he's a holy and a righteous God. And so now I'm mourning because I see my, my sinfulness, to be quite... I see my natural tendencies. I see some of the things. Even now, I see some of the things that I've come short in, where I've missed the mark. And that's where I mourn. Right? So I, I, I mourn over my own sinfulness. I mourn because of my own uh, lack of obedience toward God and how you know, God died for me. And, and here I am. You know, gosh, who am I? I've got these spiritual failures. So, listen, then I, I got to take the, the next step. See, because mourning is a good thing. Why, why how do I, Tony, you, you, you see, because now this flies in the face of everything that we're being taught in the culturally friendly churches right now. Oh, it's okay not to be okay. And it's, oh, yeah. It is. We're not, all of us are broken. Spiritually, we're all broken. There's no question about it. But that's why we go to Him so that He can listen, so that He can get inside of us and He can start teaching us and walking this walk with us spiritually. So now that I begin to see that, watch, I'm mourning. Why? Because I'm falling short and I'm not happy like uh, the Apostle Paul would say in Romans. So what then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How are we who are dead to sin continue any longer therein? If we're born again, we shouldn't be saying, okay, we're satisfied with missing the mark every once in a while. No. No, we're not satisfied with missing the mark and that's why I mourn. Now, mourning over missing the mark isn't enough. i got to ask myself, okay, am I satisfied with missing the mark once in a while and then getting in my closet and crying to God and uh, asking for mercy and, and, and grace and thanking Him that He didn't wipe me out and squash me like a bug? Am I satisfied with that? No. You know what? That mourning should bring, bring repentance. What does that mean? I'm not going that way anymore. See, that's what we need in church, my brothers and sisters. That's why this kind of preaching is not going to attract a crowd, but that, nevertheless, it's true. Amen. This is what makes, this is the difference between you being a real Christian and a Christian uh, in name only, a Sino. Christian in name only. The real Christian mourns over their sin, and that mourning brings repentance. That mourning says, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to walk in that disobedience. I don't want to walk in that spiritual failure anymore. Now, some will teach uh, this, and I, I don't necessarily. I, I believe that that's really the the, the zisboom ba of what the, the Holy Spirit is p- teaching us in that in that scripture. I really do. But there is a certain degree uh, with mourning. There's 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 this empathy that we do feel for others, and I want to tell you um, that uh, no different than what I've shared with you for for quite a while now, for a number of weeks. I am so put off. I'm so concerned with the church. My, I'm mourning for the church. I'm in, I'm in almost constant mourning for the church. And I use air quotes when I'm saying the church. I'm so, I'm mourning for the church. Why? Because my, my brothers and sisters, the church has gotten so far away from God, we're, we're not even considering you know, everything that God has, has called us to, these good works that we're called to. Instead, it's, my, you know what it is. My brothers and sisters, my, I'm in mourning for that. I don't want people to be deceived. I don't want people to think that they're going because they belong to this church, that church, the other church. Everything's okay. And when he splits the sky... They're gone. And then what really happens is he splits the sky, everybody else is gone, and you've been told that they've been taken to some kind of internment camp and you need to go ahead and get that shot or get this or get that and the other thing. Come on now. You know that it's happening. We're right in the middle of it. 
No, man, I, I, my heart goes out to the young people, my own children, your children. The things that they're believing, the things that they're hearing, the things that they're influenced by, it's crushing me. <laughs> I, I said this before, I've got to say it again. When Jesus said, uh, will the Son of Man find faith upon the earth when He returns? Will He find faith? He's going to find some. If I'm still here, He'll find some. If you're still here, He'll find some. My brothers and sisters, but it, it, He needs to come back quick. Because there's a, a lot of us that are dying off. Man, it's time not to be a Sino any longer. And you cannot be a Sino and adhere to these Beatitudes. You cannot be a Christian in name only. These Beatitudes need to be part of who we are. Do I really mourn for those who are spiritually deplete? who I see are, are just, they don't even realize their own sin or they're struggling with their own sin or do I look down my nose and point fingers at them? Do I just go ahead and say, well, they can't be a part of our congregation because, you know, after all, they're living in sin and all this other stuff. No. You know, see, it's not enough. Again, it's not enough just to mourn. We have to be willing to do something about it. See, mourning should bring Repentance. Mourning is designed not just for us to sit there and mourn and moan and, and be sad. Because remember what he says. They shall be comforted. The mourners shall be comforted. Listen to in uh, Luke chapter 4. The Spirit, this is Jesus. Remember, Jesus comes out. He's, he's going to preach. The first thing he does, he's go, he goes into the synagogue in his own um, land. And he says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And he's not talking about just the physical blind. He's talking about the spiritually blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He's quoting straight out of Isaiah chapter 61. He was invited to read. He read that. And then he goes and all eyes are fixed on him because everything he spoke, whenever he preached, whenever he taught, whenever he spoke, it was with confidence and authority because he knew exactly what he was saying. And so he, he sat down in his seat, every eye upon him, and he says, this day, this is fulfilled in your hearing. You're witnessing that prophecy. Hallelujah. He's saying it. He just flat out said it. Here I am, the one you've been waiting for. My brothers and sisters, the promises that he made, all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. So look, if I'm in mourning, Tony is in mourning for his church, for his people, for his grandchildren, for his children, for everybody, for for the... Man, there's hope. There's hope. I'm in mourning. That should motivate me to do something. I'm going to pray harder than I've prayed before. I'm in mourning. Let's, let, let me go back. Let me go back a half a step. Because it's not about just what I'm seeing in everybody else. What about me? I'm mourning for my own missteps. I'm mourning about my own... Come on. I'm, I guess I'm the only one having them problems. I'm the only one that has a spiritual issue every now and again. I'm the only one in here that misses the mark. I'm the only one, even all those people that are listening, however many there are, I'm the only one that misses the mark spiritually every once in a while. No, and when I do, it bothers me. 
I have to apologize to God. I have to apologize to the person who I've offended or whatever the case may be. See, the mourning brings an action. If I'm truly mourning about something, then I need the repentance comes. Come on. So now look, and now I'm comforted. Why? Because I know that Jesus, in Christ Jesus, I'm forgiven. I have hope. And in Christ Jesus, when I'm, when I'm mourning for myself and I repent, I know because I, re, I see what... I've I got to go back. Look at, what, look at what he did with his children Israel. As many times, and he said, I am not going to destroy them. As many times as they turned their back on him. So I have hope. I see the character of God. Now, listen, I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God. And I'm not looking to go ahead and just take advantage of that because God knows my heart as well. So I'm mourning and now I'm willing to repent and do something different. Not going ahead and living the same way I used to live. Not going ahead and thinking the same way I used to think, well, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's not okay. And if it was okay, I wouldn't be mourning. Come on. Did you get that? That was good. I hope somebody wrote that. If it was okay, I wouldn't be mourning. And if I'm not mourning and still doing those things, I need to get saved. Say, I know, this is not popular stuff, but it's true. It's absolutely true. So now, I'm more, so now listen, I can be comforted. I've, I've read the whole Word of God. I've read the end. I know how it ends. Yeah, hallelujah. He's gracious. He's merciful. Hallelujah. He's not willing to, for me to, to perish. He's made a way for me to be saved. He's made a way for me to escape. He's made a way for me to go to Him. If I, listen, here's what it says. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not just when you go to Him being born again. That's, that's forever. When you realize that you've sinned and you're in that morning, you go to Him, now I have hope, now I can be comforted. And I still have fellowship of the Spirit. He didn't kick me to the curb. I don't have to work out a probationary period. Come on, he's not like some of you who will not, re- who will not forgive, who will kind of hold it to my charge, who will make me make it up to you somehow, some way. I'm not trying to be ugly and I'm not trying to be funny. Hallelujah. Nope, that's not God. Praise God. Amen. Listen, there was another time when Jesus... You know, remember, word came to Jesus that his friend Lazarus was sick. He waited days. He waited four days. He goes back. When he goes back, his sisters meet him out there. And when the sisters meet him out there, uh, uh, when Mary came to him specifically, some of the Jews that were mourning with uh, her for Lazarus came and, and met him. And Jesus, it says that he groaned within him. Amen? Thank God somebody's... He's, he, he groaned within himself. You know, if you go and you do that word study, man, something rose up in him. He was like angry, you know? It rose up in him. But then, listen, his passion turned to mourning. He, he cried, right? 11.30, Jesus wept. Wept. He knew he was going to raise him. How about this? When Jesus, he's going back into Jerusalem and he's looking over Jerusalem. He's, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How many times I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks? But you wouldn't. He's, he's showing some, some kind of a, like an, an, an empathy, a, a mourning. Right? Now, I'm not saying I'm Jesus. But I have him in me. 
So this empathy, there should be some empathy. There should be some of this mourning that happens. And there should be some of these actions and reactions. Come on now. And that also helps me, listen, with meekness, mercy, being merciful. All of these things are interconnected. But it has to start here. Start here what? Number one, I have to know that, listen, I am I'm poor in spirit. Number two, listen, I, I better be I, I, I better be I better be able to, to mourn for my own I'm not all that. I need to go ahead and, and be in this position where I, I recognize my own sin, my own missing of the mark. And then that brings me to this next beatitude. No, no, no. The thief on the cross. This I love this. So I, I get you see it both ways. Jesus is on the cross, hanging between two thieves. The one says, "If you're the Son of God, save yourself and take us with you." The other thief says, "Don't you fear God? He's done nothing. We deserve what we have. He's mourning. We de- I I deserve what I'm getting. He's mourning over his own sinfulness. Blessed are they who mourn." Blessed are they from whom will mourn. They shall be comforted. Isn't that what it said? Jesus, remember me when you've come into your kingdom. Jesus, I know who you are. And remember me when you come into your kingdom. This day, you'll be with me in paradise. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The man was still on the cross. Was he happy? Was he comforted? Yes. Hallelujah. 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 He really, if he, he really believed, and know how I know he really believed? Because Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So that man wasn't speaking junk, just testing it out. That man was speaking from his heart. Hallelujah. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Hallelujah. So then that brings me to the next one, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek. Mild humble, gentle, calm. That's that word me. Everybody get everybody with me? Surrendered, submitted, meek. The products of meekness. So if you're a meek person, this is what you might look like. No angry outbursts. You may be passionate. Hey, easy now. No, no telling on each other or ourselves right now. Just you and God talk about this right now. <laughs> the, confession is, the confessional is not open. I am not a priest. Although if you do want to pray afterwards, I'll be here for you. Look, listen. Calm as it relates to the passions. You're, you have passions. You know, and, and there's this calmness. You're able to control your passions. And I know it's hard for us Italians, but it just, you got to... You don't act so impulsively. Now, 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 now wait. Listen, it's easy to do that. Let me me speak to the young people right now. It's easy to calm your passions and to be submitted when mom and dad are sitting right next to you. But when you're under pressure, when things are not going your way, that's what this speaks to. Not when things are going hunky-dory, your friends are all in line, everybody's happy, blah, blah, blah. No. Your friends are going everywhere, doing everything, and your mom and dad say, No! 
everybody else has done. You're the only. Not getting any amens from the back. <laughs> getting a couple of chuckles in the front. So now let's take it to the next step. How about us adults? Aren't we the same way? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So it's not all about being calm and controlling your anger, your passions, your temperament, um, just when things are going good. It speaks really genuinely to when the pressure's on, when you're under the gun. Then what happens? Are you with me? All right, so, so if, are, 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 you, are you truly meek? Do you control your anger? You know what? Also speaks to, I like this one, strength under control. Being humble, being humble, having humility before God and man. A meek spirit, mild. See, some people, well, you're a doormat for the world. You're a doormat for this. People say, so Tony, you know, you're, it's okay to be a Christian, but you don't have to be a doormat for anybody. Well, that depends on what you define a doormat as. Because maybe I am called to be a doormat for somebody. Right? Maybe I am. Uh, they're always taking advantage. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, if I really sit and stew about it like you do, if I really let and think about it, yeah, it'll rise up in me. But I've got to control it. In some, in some cases, do I have the power to, you know, show strength and authority in areas? Yeah. Do I always do it? No. That's meek. We have the greatest example. Jesus, who was God. What does it say? Thought it not robber to be, to be equal with God. He was God. But he made himself a little lower than the angels to fulfill the mission that the Father had for him. Are you with me? So you, the great example is, one of the greatest ones I can think of, is, is two, two times in the garden for sure. Remember when Jesus went into the garden, he started to pray. And he has his apostles away from him, but he's praying. And he's praying to the Father. And he's praying drops of blood. So physiologically, it's, having a, it's, it's a weight on him. Physiologically, he's having issues. He knows what's about to happen. And he prays the Father, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. Right? Remember that? He could have stopped it. He had the power to stop it. Remember, you know, when, when, Peter, when Peter drew the sword? You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I could command a legion of angels right now. Right? When he was on trial with Pilate. Pilate, don't you realize that I have the power to... There's no power given to you except that which comes from there. There's no way. You don't have the power. Come on. Jesus knew how powerful he really was. He knew what he could do. What? Meek. 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 Listen, not weak. Not weak. No one more powerful. Remember how powerful he was when he spoke to a storm, even the storm had to obey him? Remember how powerful he was whenever he said to demons, come out, they had to come out, they had to obey him? Remember all that? Remember when he commanded blind eyes to be opened? Remember all that? Remember when he commanded a dead guy to come out of a tomb who was in there for four days? That He had to call him by name because if he would have just said, come forth, all the dead bodies in there would have came out. He had to call him by name. Lazarus, you come forth. All you others, you stay. Lazarus, you come. Come on now. That's how powerful he was and is. So listen, being meek doesn't mean you're weak. 
Being meek means I've got the power, I've got the authority, I've got it, but I'm not going to use it. Being meek means, you know what? Everything in me right now is crying, but nope. Not going to let it go. Come on, man. We've got such a great example. And so now last... This, so now remember, all of, those, all of those beatitudes, they speak to this. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. See, I'm, I'm, I, what? I want, to look, I want to look at this two ways. Number one, if you look at the context, if you look at where Jesus is speaking this to, right? The, he's speaking this to a bunch of people who are probably on the poor side, right? And they also are a people who are under subjugation to the Romans. And if you look at their history, they've always, it was either conquering or being conquered. Are, are you with me? They're either being conquered. So now, look, as far as they're concerned, when you're strong, you get, to, you get to make the rules. When you're strong, right, you get the land. When you're strong, you get to rule the people. When you're strong, now Jesus is saying something totally different. This is totally opposite. What did he say? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But let me show you something else. How many people will be won by me forcing them to Christianity, by me beating them over the head with this book and telling them how right I am and how wrong they are? Come on! How many people will be won? Amen. No. But if I'm living a meek and humble lifestyle, and I bring to them the humility, and I'm able to say, listen, I'm not even saying that I'm all that, but I know uh, man, my God is all that. Amen. And I'm serving Him, and I'm learning, and He's, he's moving me from... Man, I, I just, I know a God. Let me, I'm, just, I'm, just a, I'm just somebody who's, who's, a, who's begging bread, and I can show you where to get the bread. Amen. Come on now. Amen. See, my brothers and sisters, that's, that's what this... That's, I'm going to inherit the earth. I'm... I'm I'm, I'm making the inheritance. He's using me for the inheritance. Here's the other thing. When Jesus comes back, not when He takes us out of here, but when He comes back this next time, He's not coming back to save the world. Mm-mm. All of those people who choose not to follow Him while they have the chance, and all of those kings and kingdoms who are really one under the enemy of our soul they will be defeated by the word of his mouth. He's just going to speak it. They're going to be wiped out. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And know who's going to be there? Those who are meek. Those who are meek. That's who's going to be there. Jesus, Jesus is, he's already come to be the Savior. He's already come to be the Savior. The next time he shows up on earth, he's coming to... Defeat his enemies. Once and for all. They've already been defeated. But he's coming to bring the kingdom. Fully. Amen? And so those of us who are meek, we're going to inherit. And we're going to be part of that kingdom and that glory. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, again. So now we've got those. Those issues. Those, those beatitudes. And then that brings us to this one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Just give me a few more minutes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. So watch. Now, th- think about this. What am I... Tr- hungering and thirsting, that's an idiom. That, when, they, when, when, when that's being said, when that's being preached and taught, that's, they understand, and you, sh- you and I should understand as, as well. But just to go ahead and jog us, you know, uh, it's been very hot out there, hasn't it? Mm. Anybody who's working outside, you guys, I mean, it's hot out there. 
mean, I'm, I'm out there all the time, and I don't even get as physical as I used to. Yeah, and yesterday I did. And Michelle is so where she's looking at me. You know, hey, you want some water? I, I already got one. You know, and she's, or, or, you know, every little while she's looking at me. I think she thinks I'm going to fall out. Hard for me to be a little bit meek and humble. <laughs> no, but you know, she thinks I'm going to fall out. She's because it's hot. But man, have you ever been so thirsty that you could just you drink that water? I remember when we used to do uh, two days football practice. Man. They used to tell us, don't drink all at once. Don't drink so Man, I used to drink, 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 drink. I'm so thirsty. It's, it's in the sun. It's humid. I'm drinking, drinking, drinking. Then you go back and you start running and all of a sudden, you get that pain in the side or you're, you're ready to take, all that water is ready to be released. That you, but not, it's looking to come back out. But you, so you understand, I'm not trying to be, uh, uh, you know, just crude or anything, but you understand what I'm saying. You've been that thirsty. Have you ever, have you ever, how many of you have gone on long fasts before? Actually, you know what? No, no what I've noticed? Like the second day is the worst. Then after you get into it a little while, you know, it gets a little bit better. But man, for me, it's the second day. The second day is like, oh my gosh. And then every time I'm sitting in front of the TV or something like that, there's that Burger King commercial and that thing. And you know what? On the commercial, that Whopper looks good. How come whenever I get them, they don't look like that? So that's what I try to tell myself. It really doesn't look that good, but in my heart, I would eat the box. Come. Have you ever been that? No, can, have you ever been that hungry or thirsty? Do you understand? Wait, wait, wait. Come on. Are you? As a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire. Come on, man. You. You're so hungry, you're thirsty, and we know how to satisfy that hunger and that thirst. And so this is what this, 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 this beatitude, this blessed are you if you're hungry, if you have that kind of passion, if you have that kind of insatiable appetite right, right, for, for righteousness. Okay, for righteousness? What is that? To be in right standing with God. That's it, simply. Right standing with God. I want to be in right standing. I want to be right with God. Listen, I, I'm, that, doesn't mean I, that doesn't mean that I'm trying to walk this tight rope for God because if I make a misstep, then I'm out of... He's, no, I'm, I'm not... Is that part of it? Well, it's part of it. I'm, I want to walk in obedience to Him. But it's, it's like this. I, listen, I want to please Him. I, I, I don't want God disappointed in me. See, some of us have lost sight of that. That the things that we allow ourselves, the things that we say, well, you know, God knows me. Yeah, God does know you. That's why he died for you. So that you don't have to be the you that you used to be. Oh, that was good. I hope somebody... That's why he does know you. And he died for you and he gave you his spirit so that you don't have to be that you that you used to be. And so now you walk in this righteousness that's in Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now my focus, my attention is walking in Christ. Right? My, my focus, my attention now is abiding in Christ. Walking according to His commandments. Right? Isn't that, come on, help me out. Somebody, does anybody know the word? Anybody know what it says in, in John chapter 15? You know, John, uh, the first John, the epistle. Man, this, it's very plain. Jesus makes it very plain. There's, there's no, so look. 
I'm hungering and I'm thirsting after righteousness. I want to be in right standing with God. And that means I'm just walking according to the principles and precepts of Christ. I'm walking in the image that he laid for me, that he set before me. I'm, I'm walking down the path that he blazed for me. Are you with me? And here's the greatest thing. He, I'm not on my own. I'm not on my own. He's given me his spirit that I may be able to really see the path that he... The path is... Thy word... As a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path. I was hoping somebody would have finished that for me. Dude, are you with me? He's, he's, he's laid it out before me. And then he gives me the power within me to do it. So, but here's the thing. Some of us have decided this far is good enough. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you, I'm, gonna, I'm talking to some people who are listening to me in this room and listening to me um, on recording or listening to me live. I'm telling you, if you're that person, if you've decided that this is good enough or, yeah, I made it this far, I'm not the person I used to be. I don't do some of this and I don't do some of that. That's not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. They will be filled. You asked for it, you got it, Toyota. That's, that's, the Tony, that, that's the Tony interpretation. You asked for it, you got it, Toyota. What, what, that's so silly. No, I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness, right standing with God. In Christ Jesus, I am the righteousness of God. Okay? So now he's saying, I'm not holding it back from you. If it, look, it, if I, it's just like me. Ah, got it. Thank you, Lord. Jacob and Esau. Right? Remember? Jacob is cooking up the stew. Esau was famished. He thinks he's going to die if he don't get some of that stew. He's willing to trade his birthright for the stew. Okay, what the heck are you saying, Tony? See, I, he's willing to trade his birthright. What I'm saying is, listen, I'm, I'm there. The stew is Jesus, and he's ready to fill me up. I'm not, I don't have to beg and wait. I don't have to trade him anything. It's already been provided. I'm so hungry and he's just going to pour it into me. Come on, man. He's already done. How do I know that? Because he went to the cross. He went to the cross. He went to the cross even before, listen, even before he knew or before I knew that there ever was going to be anything like this happening, that before, I, before, before the foundation of the earth, he knew that I was going to go and meet him at the cross. And so why, and again, I'm going to tell you out of Romans, why would he hold back, God hold back anything? If he was willing to take a body and die, why would he hold back anything? He won't. So listen, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Once I see my situation, once I see I'm spiritually, I'm poor, I need God. Right? Once I see, listen, man, I, I, I just have to, I have to mourn. Mourn over my own situation and, and mourn for the church and mourn for my brothers and sisters, but mourn for my own situation. So much so that I'm willing to repent and go away and then I look and I have to, I have to humble myself. I have to be meek. And now I have to go ahead and submit to His will. Why? Because now I've got, I see all of these things together. And now I'm so hungry and thirsty my attitude toward him is I want all of you that I can have. I want all of you. I want to go all the way with God. Amen? And he says, we're going. Not going to hold anything back. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in this room or hearing me now, you said, listen, I see in my life somewhere I've allowed these things to block me. 
I've allowed these things to kind of take a little bit of uh, the, the, the zisboomba, the zeal away from really following after God. Have I went ahead and I looked at the blessings of this life and thought, well, I'm in a good place. I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm extremely blessed. I'm supremely blessed. I'm happy. But now you see in his work, no, that's, that's not what blessed is all about. Man, spiritually poor. I'm, come on now. I'm, I'm, I'm mourning. I still have those places. Now, you need to look at those places. Say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And be meek. Let him work his work. Be humble. Be submitted. And then go after his righteousness. Amen? Any, if there's anyone like that, stand with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.